welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're going to cover the accounting for cryptographic assets, if I can get that word out all the way through the episode. And I'm joined by the very lovely Katie Woods, who's back with us. Welcome back, Katie. Thank you, Ruth. Lovely to be back. So not only can you cover share-based payments, you're a cryptographic guru. That's, oh, I might have to put that on my that business be, card. Yeah, we have that LinkedIn <laughs> cryptographic guru. Absolutely. Cryptographic wizard. That sounds even, even worse. worse. <laughs> so um, we have actually already had some podcasts. We had a podcast with Gary Berkowitz around uh, cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. And then yourself and Tony joined us to talk about initial coin offerings. Um, so I thought it'd be a good time to just have a quick recap of what's going on. Has anything been going on with the standard setter? And then maybe bring those two bits together so we can see how the jigsaw starts piecing. So it's a big old word. What is, let's start at the top, what is a cryptographic asset? Well, a, a cryptographic asset, which I struggle with as well, to be yeah, fair, um, incorporates cryptocurrencies. So the thing to think about, if someone starts talking about a cryptographic asset, they're probably generally thinking about a cryptocurrency. The definition is that they are transferable digital representations that is designed in a way that prohibits their copying or duplication. That's so complicated. Well, yeah, except we won't go into what blockchain is because I don't think we've got long enough in a podcast, but blockchain is well known to being a, an independent way of managing and securing particular pieces of information and you know things like Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And the cryptographic asset is taking all of these things in and saying, well, these are digital representations because they're not a tangible thing, but they are, they're not copied or duplicated because of the way in which they are manufactured or, or utilised through the blockchain. So that's a cryptographic asset. And is there a legal definition of that? No, nothing. There's no legal definition. Um, And therefore, depending on the jurisdiction, the treatment or or even recognition of these cryptographic assets will change because there's there's nothing defining it in any particular uh, state or whatever with respect to a definition. Okay, so an example of a cryptographic asset is a cryptocurrency. Correct, and an example of a cryptocurrency would be Bitcoin or Ethereum, or one of those well-known coins. Okay, perfect. So, um, at the at the moment, from an obviously we're, this is an accounting podcast. Mm. What is happening in the accounting world? Like, are the ISB doing anything about this? Is there going to be a new standard? Mm. Is it into coming into a existing standard? So, I think when Tony and I spoke to you. There was very little known about what the standard setters were going to do. Um, There was sort of talk possibly that the ISB, the international guys, would would think about it, but but there was no clarity. Since that time, the ISB have started to talk about cryptographic assets and related issues like ICOs, which I guess we'll come on to in a bit. Um, What they did was to ask the Interpretations Committee, the IFRS IC, to take a look at what's going on at the moment and what is out there to see how the standards should be applied. So in September 2018, this year, there were a couple of papers that went to the Interpretations Committee and they discussed, I guess, the sort of things that, that Gary discussed with you and, and Tony and I discussed with you was which standard is applicable, um, 
what are cryptographic assets and therefore how do we apply the standard? And I think there was um, probably quite a lot of clarity between the or through the discussion that there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer. And of course there's no one standard that covers cryptographic assets. There has been talk, should there be a standard, and, and I find it quite difficult to think of a particular standard to deal with a particular economic situation, although one of your favourites, agriculture, mining, are covered by, by, yeah. different, um, by different standards. We've got a standard for sheep, we should have a standard for cryptographic <laughs> assets, is my answer. I had never thought of it that way, but interesting perspective. I guess the other problem with producing a standard, as we all know, is it takes a long time. You go through discussion paper, exposure draft, before you finally get a standard. And this particular area of cryptographic assets is moving so quickly that probably by the time you've answered the questions we've got today, in two, three years' time, there'll be a whole host of other questions that need answering by that stage. So the Interpretation Committee had a good debate. There were a number of things that were brought up um, and had then will be sending off recommendations to the board about different ways in which the board could deal with with the, the, the particular area. Interestingly, I think one of the discussions was um, perhaps to take cryptographic assets out of the scope of IS 38, so the intangible standard, which a number of people think that cryptocurrencies should actually be included in, in order to perhaps not end up with a cost measurement basis, maybe go to a fair value. I think everyone, though, would be quite nervous about doing that, or some would anyway, because if you take something out of the scope, you've got to think about all of the unintended consequences, all the other areas that might then say, well, we're not in scope, we're not in scope. And so I'm not sure whether that proposal will be carried forward, but it was certainly one of the areas that was debated. Okay, so if you want more information on that, it was September 2018, so mm -hmm. they can look at the staff papers. And in terms of next steps, they're going to effectively take that paper to the ISB mm -hmm. and talk through the, this, these are our findings. Mm. Um, it sounds like probably, which I totally agree with, it doesn't sound like we'll get a whole standard on cryptographic assets. Mm. But do you think there'll be, I don't know, there will be interpretation because there's no standard, would there be like an agenda decision or that yeah. they're the sort of things they would be suggesting? My personal opinion, and yeah. I have no basis for saying this other than... Yeah. We just guess between <coughs> us two. Let's do that. Um, no one's listening. No. <laughs> My opinion is that an agenda decision would probably be the most appropriate way forward. The reason I say that is because the thought process that, well, Tony and I went through when we were talking to you about ICOs, Gary talked about when we were talking about uh, cryptocurrencies would probably be set out in that way and that the impact of the different standards could then be considered. Yeah, okay. And I should point out, this is just Ruth and Katie's opinion. Yes. And nobody else's. No, absolutely. 100% <laughs> agree. We've got a big caveat at the end as Thank well. Thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just do a little summary of both mm. sort of I imagine both sides of the equation. So you've got your uh, cryptographic assets yeah. and then you've got your initial coin offerings. Yeah. So let, as, a, as a reminder, how, what sort of things do you need to think through if you are holding a cryptographic asset, for example, a cryptocurrency? So my thought process, if I'm asked the question, which I am quite regularly, is, is that cryptographic asset, and let's call it a cryptocurrency just for now, yeah. um, is that being held? to pay for goods and services, so part of uh, the assets of the business being used as part of the transactions, or is it being used for trading? 
And if you're using it for trading within the um, inventory standard, IS2, there's the ability to look at the broker trader exemption and, and hold those at, at fair value. If, however, you're using it for buying goods and services, I think you'd be more inclined at the moment to, to present it as an intangible, which means that you, you hold it basically at cost and, and then you think about impairment as you would with any asset. But those are the sort of things I think you'd think about. Okay, so similar to I think what we heard from Gary, you would need to think through, you know, why are you actually holding this asset yes. that could be inventory, could be intangibles. And I think what we talked about before is obviously disclosure is uh, always important. Yeah. I think I say that every time I <laughs> every time I do one of these. And I think it's worth saying that we do talk through whether it's a financial instrument, but because there's no contractual obligation to transfer cash or or a non-financial asset or or you know, following the, the definition of a financial asset, I think we concluded that it would be very difficult to get it into that standard. Yeah. Now, one thing um, I think we've seen coming up recently is crypto assets that are held by entities on behalf of a customer. Mm. That sounds even more complicated. What other sort of additional things do people need to think of that? Well, let's think of a financial services entity. If you wanted to hold some money in a bank, you just send it to the bank. Yeah. The bank will be able to identify you as the person who owned that money and therefore, although it's on the balance sheet, it would be your Ruby's yeah. money. When holding uh, a cryptographic asset on behalf of somebody, you would hold it either in, well, you'd hold it in a wallet. There are two types of wallet, a hot wallet, which is connected to the internet, uh, you have more access to, or a cold wallet, which is completely separate from the internet and therefore more secure. My wallet's cold. It's empty. empty. <laughs> <laughs> I have too many coffees. <laughs> you can never have too many coffees. So. What, what you need to look at is, can you identify, sorry, you the financial services body, can you identify clearly who has control of those cryptographic, cryptographic assets, even I have the same problem. <laughs> and generally there's a feeling that it's very difficult to do that. That goes back to the blockchain. If your cryptographic asset is held on the blockchain, it's very difficult to allocate it to you, Ruth, as the original holder. So you end up, if you looked at the financial services body and said, what would happen on bankruptcy? Would the creditors be able to say, oh no, I can't touch that because it's Ruth's? Well, possibly not because you can't be identified as the owner and therefore, logically, it will be shown as the banks and therefore become part of the banks. What does that mean? It means that it's shown on the balance sheet of the financial services entity rather than off balance sheet and being held as a custodian of some description. You made the point earlier about disclosure. The couple that I've seen in this area have ended up on balance sheet, but a lot of disclosure to explain the restrictions um, over those particular assets that are presented on balance sheet. Okay, so that's a new interesting area that we're seeing coming up more. Yeah. Um, so now if we, so that's the side of the people that um, own or hold, yeah. maybe not own, the cryptographic asset. What about from the other side? So now we get into like you're actually issuing, mm. your, you know, you've got your initial coin offerings. Again, I know you said we've, we've talked about this before, but while we're piecing it all together, just mm. give us a little recap about what the sort of things you need to think about for that. Okay, so an, an initial coin offering is a situation where an entity will issue tokens or coins out to interested parties and these interested parties will pay for the token or coin. The, the background, the, the obligations behind those tokens or coins are generally covered in a very short white paper that will say if you as a, um, an interested party quotes invest 
in these tokens or coins. We, as the entity issuing them, will provide some sort of a good or a service. That's the general model. So the token holders will hold the tokens on the expectation of a provision of a good or service from the coin offerer. How do you account for it from the offerer's perspective? You've then got to say, well, is there perhaps a financial liability? I've got an obligation as an offerer. I've said goods or services, but there's an obligation. Is that a financial obligation, financial liability? Well, probably not. Because even if the white paper's contractual, there's no obligation to return cash. Mm -hmm. You then say, well, is it, um, is, is what other sorts of liabilities could it be? And going down the waterfall, you generally, and I say generally end up with it being a revenue type transaction because the holder has the expectation of the provision of a good or service, and that might be a discount on a future platform or discounts on future commission items. Generally, it's trading the ICO tokens that they will get the benefits from. Okay, so you end up effectively in IFRS 15. Generally, yes, but I can't say for all of them because yeah. it depends. Each of them down to the white paper. Correct. Okay. So, but, so that's the key document that you're looking at to see what you actually promised. Hundred percent. Yes, and if you're thinking of investing too. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much. What that's I think right. it was great to piece it all together and hear a little update of what the um, board has been talking about. So, I always love having you. Please mm -hmm. come back again soon. Thank, thank you for joining us, Katie. If you'd like to see Katie Woods live talking about cryptocurrencies, I do believe. I don't think I'm letting a cat out of the bag. You're speaking at Meet the Experts this year for a very short time. I will be there. There yes. we go. So anyone that wants to see you in the, in the flesh rather than behind the microphone, she's going to be there. Also, we have got a PwC, has got an in-depth out, yeah. which is available on PwC um, Inform. So you can get more information there. And like we said, it was at the September IFRIC meeting. That's the right. paper. So lots of ways for you to get up to date. But uh, thank you very much for listening. This was the podcast on cryptographic assets. I'll say it once more. Happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.